So this week on the Stab Cusp, Stace and I are going to be chatting with the one and only Andrew Stark. He is basically the guy who runs the WSL in Australia, and he is responsible for all the recent um, event changes, and he was the one that was trying to push Lennox onto the locals, and they weren't having it, um, and then he miraculously was able to turn around and get two new events on the docket within like a week of that fiasco. Um, so yeah, we wanted to just talk to Andrew and hear about how all of that went down and just get to know him a little bit better because he's kind of revered as this mythical creature that just kind of is a crusader and um, yeah, just a diehard surfing fan. So we're going to hop on with Andrew now and hope you enjoy the show. And we are back, and on behalf of my co-host, Mikey Sierra Amala, and I, we would love to welcome on the Stab Cast, Mr. Andrew Stark. How are you, Starky? Good, Stace. Not too bad. <laughs> Mate, you've got a very long tag there. I'm not even going to try to spell out your job description. Did you want to give it a run for me? Oh, look, yeah, General Manager of World Surf League Asia Pacific, um, and I also look after Kelly Slater Wave Company in this part of the world as well. I want to know a bit more about you, Mr. Stark, because uh, everybody in Australia seems to know who you are. And over here in the U.S., the WSL people that I know and recognize are like Dave Prodan and Jesse Miley Dyer and Elo and Pat. Well, Pat, R.I.P. Um, but yeah, so we just hear about these these legends of this guy that's just basically like the Napoleon of Australia, just just walking all over politicians, taking whatever he wants. So so tell me a little bit more about Andrew Stark. Where are you from? And um, yeah, what were you doing before this? Well, definitely definitely not walking all over politicians. I'm, I'm you know, respectfully working with them to try and get where we need to go. But, um, oh, look, I mean, Stace knows a bit of my background. I've been in the surfing industry for over 20 years. Um, I worked um, way back when in, um, you know, surfing Queensland actually and was the CEO there as the State Surfing Association and actually ran the Quicksilver Pro Gold Coast for 10 years. Um, uh, that was from like 2000 to, um, you know, for, for 10 years there. And then um, I got offered a job at Surfing Australia um, as the CEO there in uh, 2009 and I ended up being there for 10 years. But that journey um, was really interesting in that we really took that business, it was quite small to quite a large organisation, and we we built a lot of different programs, and you know we built the it was a ten million dollar high performance centre facility at Cash Arena, and um, you know that was a great journey as well. So I sort of had ten years in um, in surfing events, in administration, I ran events all over the world, and you know have some great memories of running events in Indonesia and the Philippines, and and I also have a, a real genuine love affair with Hawaii. I've been going, in fact. Christmas just gone was the first time in 18 years I haven't been there. So um, I I go to Sunset Beach um, every year. Um, I've got my quiver of brewers over there and I just religiously daily, two or three times a day, surf Sunset Beach for for a month. Um, oh, are you one of those old guys that sits out the back and chips in on an 8-0 and just almost runs everybody over on the actual bull? Well... I don't like to think I'm an old guy because I'm only in my early 40s. So, um, but I do ride a 9-2 brewer um, when it's bigger out there and I do love surfing thick brewer boards and, and sitting in way off out the back and 
getting those those big peaks and and lining up the inside bowl. Yes, um, and I've got a lot of good friends out at Sunset. Um, you know, who are the older crew that love surfing there, and yeah, it's my favourite wave in the world. Um, and then next would be here. We're looking out right now at, at, at Green Man and Snapper and, and Kira. Yeah, awesome. Well, firstly, mate, congratulations on uh, getting that uh, four events announced and, and a schedule planned for not only the surfers and your team, but all the fans out there. Um, we're all pretty excited. Mate, uh, we'll get straight into it. Can you spell it out in layman's terms, how it all, how it all came together? Oh, look, it, it's been an incredibly challenging month, um, you know, and, and certainly a difficult start to the World Tour when we kicked off in Pipeline and then, you know, obviously the, the Sunset event getting cancelled and um, the Santa Cruz situation. So, you know, we we were sort of early January when we realised that was happening and, um, you know, Eric had called me from the US saying, hey, we've got to, let's add an event into Australia to pick up um, some numbers and... But look, in early January, we still hadn't had an approval from a government to land a charter flight in this country, um, which was pretty challenging, right? Because if you don't land the charter flight with the international athletes, you're not going to run any events. Um, so that particular item of landing the charter plane um, and in amongst um, asking that question of state governments in sort of early to mid-January, you had the Australian Open Tennis fiasco going on with, you know, all the internationals and 1,200 people that flew into Melbourne and there was all sorts of, you know, different media around should they come in, should they not and, um, you know, so that wasn't on our side and and then the UK variants and South Africa variants and so the sometimes, you know, you've got to have the right timing for these things and the timing to ask any government to land a charter plane could not have been worse. Um, so getting that across the line uh, was really difficult, but we got there. We, you know, you need a champion in these things, Stacey and Mike. You, you need someone in government to really latch onto it and go, yeah, we'll help you. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have a contact and relationship with Deputy Premier John Barillaro, uh, who is you know, the New South Wales Deputy Premier. And, and at this point in time, Queensland, Victoria and WA had all said, no, we won't land the charter. Um, so it was sort of our eggs were with New South Wales and um, the good thing was we had an extra event to add into Australia so we could work with, with you know, them on the context of saying, look, we need to add an event in Australia, let's add it into New South Wales um, and, you know, and, and that's where we got with the Charter and he was incredibly supportive and agreed to land and so that was step one um, <laughs> in terms of getting a charter landed, which was incredibly difficult. Um, but we got that. Um, we then needed to get uh, exemption from the federal government. You know, you, you probably understand the borders are shut. You know, you can't, as an international, you can't get into this country right now. So we needed to work um, to get all of those international athletes and support staff and key WSL staff an exemption to, to come into the country. Um, so a state government lands a plane and then the federal government says they can come in. So that was a whole other process in its own right, dealing with um, the federal government on that. Um, and then obviously the events, um, you know, where are they going to go and how are we going to do this? Um, you know, we had the, the additional event in New South Wales and, you know, um, we had a crack at Lennox. And, and I think, why did we have a crack at Lennox? Because we knew, we knew early on that Victoria, A, they wouldn't land the charter, which meant that, Bells could not be the first event. And it was on the schedule to be the first event. Um, and we knew it wasn't going to be the first event. It was still possible of happening, but it required some 
some other sort of pre-approvals and so on that, that I'll take you through. But um, essentially, once we knew that, okay, because the charter's landing in New South Wales, the first CT has to happen in New South Wales. Um, we then went, all right, well, if Bells isn't the first event, let's come out and let's find a blockbuster wave, you know, and, and what's the best wave in New South Wales as far as what you would think is like CT quality? I mean, I'll ask you guys, what is it? <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to name it. Yeah, that's right. And I think, I think too... I think those waves would have a similar sentiment to the locals at Lennox. So I think we'll dip, we'll dip straight into that. Um, okay. You act, Very good. You, you seem yeah. surprised. Surely you weren't that surprised, Starkey, that that went down. Because although the board riders hold a very strong you know, position in most of our lives in Australia, they aren't the be-all and end-all. And I guess we experienced that with, with Lennox. Like, was that genuinely a surprise to you? Look, I think, um, yeah, of course we thought you know, it could be challenging, but we did get a lot of initial feedback from not only the club, but other members in that community. And and in fact, some members in that community that when the search was looking at it years ago, said no, but this time around said, you know what, this town's a different place now. This is highly populated town now. There's a lot more tourism. Lennox is an internationally recognised known wave globally. There's been plenty of video content on it out there. Um, we were getting a lot of feedback to suggest that it could happen. Um, and so, you know, we presented to council and um, I, I still think, you know, there was a lot of loud voices in that town that just didn't want it to come and, and that's okay. You know, and once the council said no, we we're like, the second the council said no, this isn't happening and we could sense the community vibe was like, no, nah, this, isn't, this isn't working, it's too soon and too quick and the wrong dates and all that. We're like, okay, let's not go. We pivoted very quickly out of there. I mean, if you look at the timeline, um, that happened on a Wednesday night we had Newcastle secured within 24 hours and we announced Newcastle on Saturday. So, you know, we, and, and that's the sort of speed we were having to, to work at. And, um, and look, Newcastle welcomed us with red carpet and, and you know, they're a, a town that loves surfing events and love pro surfing and love, you know, the big limelight type events and the bread champions and, yeah. So, um, but look, I've had people from Lennox Head since then reach out and say, we are deeply disappointed that the event's not coming. So, you know, I do think that there's some people in that town and, and a small group of people that didn't want it and they were really loud. Um, but there's also um, a very large group of people in that town that did want that event and still want it. Um, so, you know, but look, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so look, we, we moved out of Lennox. Um, we, we locked Newcastle in um, and, and essentially... To be able to run these events in Australia, you know, for, for the sort of international audience, Australia is very safe from a COVID perspective and has an eradication type program in place where we're trying to sort of stamp it out very quickly if there's community cases. But that also requires the state governments who have the authority, they shut their borders extremely quickly. Um, and, you know, anyone who's living in Australia would know that when I talk quickly, I mean like within five hours, you know, I think the South Australian border a couple of weeks ago, they announced at 6pm that the border was shutting at midnight. So mm. WA um, was three you know, hours. And, and it, you yeah, know, and, so for instance, you're in Margaret River, you're not getting to Perth Airport. And I think that that's a complexity that not everyone globally is understanding, particularly with our case numbers being so low and how harsh our local governments or state governments are acting. Um, you know, the Quicksilver Pro, you know, not running, when you're living here, doesn't seem that surprising. 
to me. But when you, if, you know, from people abroad, did you kind of want to touch on that? How particularly hard Queensland is being with with, with border closures? We went to all of those governments and said, look, we're going to land in New South Wales. And in order for us to run an event on the Gold Coast or Bells Beach or Margaret River, we need your government to provide us a surety that we can cross the border into your state if you suddenly shut your border. Can you provide that or not? And that provision was in the context of a what we call a pre-approved bubble, so that if they shut their border, which means no one from New South Wales can go into Victoria or into Queensland or into WA, will you give us a pre-approved bubble where we can still cross the border However, we would have to operate in a in a bubble where you know we're not coming into contact with public, and um, but we can still run the event as well. Um, and look, Victoria um, said no, we can't provide that. Queensland said no, we can't provide that. Um, and we understand and respect that. You know, you, I think you have to understand and be very empathetic to the state governments in the context is that their priority is saving lives. And you know, in in Victoria last year, eight hundred people died because of the outbreaks they had. So their priority to their own people is just like, hey, if we're going to shut the border, we're going to shut it. And we're shutting it for a reason. And sporting events, you know, have sort of become almost second fiddle to the safety of people. Um, so, you know, we got a no from Victoria and Queensland, which meant, well, look, the reality is that we can't risk setting the entire event up at Snapper Rocks or Bells Beach and having everything booked and all that committed and then two days before the event, the border shuts and no one can get there, you know, would mean we can't run the event. It's just, it's too much risk. So uh, we then pivoted and we had to work with those governments to, unfortunately, and, and really challenging um, to, to, and disappointing for us as well and, and for fans was to cancel the Gold Coast and Bells Beach. Um, and then we pivoted to, okay, um, you know, and then the Western Australian government, interestingly, who have been probably the tightest of all the state governments, and states living in Australia, you would know this, that you know, they've been really full on about their, their border, but they've also had the least cases and you know, they've sort of been the most free and open within their state the whole period of the pandemic. The WA government said, there's no way we want to lose Margaret River. We will provide you with a pre-approved bubble. We'll provide you with the police support. You can get on a charter and come into our state. And if the state border's shut, you'll operate in a soft bubble in hotels. You'll be able to go to the beach to Margaret's main break. You'll be able to compete. Um, you know, so we're like, wow, okay. Well, well, that means we can go to Margaret River. And we thought, well, if we're gonna go to that effort to go to Margaret River, we need to get four events up. Why don't we run two in Western Australia? And then we started exploring, all right, well, where will we go? In, in Western Australia and we looked at different options. We definitely weren't gonna go north of Perth. We know what that would have brought on. We didn't want another Lennox on our hands. So um, we decided on Rottnest Island, which, you know, um, working with, with Mark Lane, who's, who's the CEO of Surfing WA and has been entrenched in surfing for decades over there, knows all those breaks. And, you know, they looked into a search event there years ago. Um, and so Rottnest was chosen as the, as the next event, the fourth event. And then in, in New South Wales, um, we needed a second event uh, and we looked at lots of different locations. Um, but the reality was we were moving at speed um, and we needed, again, similar to what Newcastle provided us, we needed to know that at short notice we could go to a wave and a location where the local community would just welcome us with open arms and want the event and understood pro surfing and big events and 
you know, we didn't have time to have any more false starts like Lennox. We needed to just have a red carpet right in like Newcastle gave us. And, um, you know, Scotty Hargraves, who works with me here, um, you know, many years ago worked for Rip Curl and, and knows Damien Harbin very well. And, you know, we rang Duma one night and said, hey, mate, what do you think about a CT at North Narrabeen? He was like, bring it on. <laughs> he was like really supportive and said, look, I've got to check in with the club members and, um, you know, and that club's got huge following and a very big community support. And, and so, um, and look, I think, Stace, the important thing to understand too, we were having conversations like even with, the, you know, the Mayor of the Northern Beaches Council. I had to ring him, you know, on a Friday and say, hey, we need a permit to run at North Narrabeen. He's like, oh, when do you need the permit? I'm like, oh, in about 48 hours. Like, can you get it to me by Monday? Like, these things usually take three to six months. And we were having to move at that speed um, to get this set up and stood up ready to to announce, you know, so the surfers had a surety and, yeah. So so that's how we landed on on what we landed on, Newcastle, North Narrabeen, um, you know, and then go over to the west and Margaret River and, and Rottnest Island. And, and you know what, the other thing in amongst all this was Rip Curl um, and those guys and, and following us on the journey and just saying, hey, we want in, like we want to help you and, you know, Neil Ridgeway and, and his team and, you know, they were incredible and they said, you know what, we, we just love pro surfing, we want to make sure this happens and we want, we want in. Um, it's a little bit, I, I think, it's funny, I read the Rip Curl book um, at Christmas time and, um, and there's, a, there's a line in that book about how when there's market uncertainty and, um, you know, the Rip Curl way was was which which Brian Singer and Claw led, but Brian Singer apparently said, and it was in the book, you know, he said in a in a uh, board meeting once, um, you know, when there's uncertainty and people are sort of a bit unknown and like we'll just come in and just do a big seagull shit with money all over everything and just buy up big assets or you know rights or athletes or whatever it is. And and I said to Neil Ridgway, I said, oh, this is just a Brian Singer big seagull shit all over Australia, um, which. Which uh, you know, which it is, and you know, it's a, it's good to see Rip Curl. You know, although they're now a public company, they're still operating the same way they always have in a core mentality, and and um, yeah, so it's been great to work with them as well. Yeah, we heard that they're basically getting like three comps for the price of one. Is that pretty much how it worked out? Oh, look, that's commercial inconfidence. What happened? But uh, yeah, we 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 worked quickly with with Ridgeway and his team to to settle all that. Yeah, I'm sure it was a good deal. Um, so I have some questions about these events as well. Like, first of all, obviously Rotnest is not going to be, um, there aren't going to be any live spectators, but what about the other three events? Can people go and watch those? Yeah, good question. Um, the, the other events are very much so based on what the the state government health and policing guidelines allow us to. So, you know, in stadiums they have, 50% capacities at the moment or, you know, and outdoor events, they have certain numbers. So for outdoor events where we are in Newcastle and in Sydney, there'll be 3,000 spectators allowed. Now, you know, you would think Newcastle or North Narrabeen, if it was pre-COVID and we ran a CT there, you get 10, 20,000 people on the beach. Um, so we're going to have to manage that with police and, um, you know, QR code in, like when you go into a cafe in New South Wales, you've got a QR code into the area and fencing. And so there's a lot more complexities. But the short answer to your question, 3,000 people, Newcastle, North Narrabeen, uh, 2,500 people at Margaret River and Rottnest Island will be a broadcast-only spectator-free event. And so in reality, this 
Australian leg, it seems like is now going to just be kind of the meat of the tour. Like if it's a sandwich, it's everything in the middle and we obviously have pipe on one end and then it sounds like we're going to have hopefully chopu on the other end and then we'll go into the, the finals. Is that about right? Yeah, so the finals at Trestles in September, we you know we know that's locked and loaded there, and um, you know look, I think where we're at now is you know I think all of our fans understand now that you know, and and this is the same for any sport in the world. Whatever schedule you put on paper at the start of the year during a COVID year is going to have to be agile and and adaptive to change. Um, so what we know, the known knowns now are that we've run pipe and we've got. Our, our men's and women's champions from that event, um, you know, and obviously Maui that fed into pipe after the, the incident in Maui. Um, but we have one event done. Um, we are very confident now, extremely confident of delivering the four events in Australia. Um, and that gives us five by the end of May. Um, so then we've got between the end of May and essentially September where the finals is pegged to, to get more events out. Um, where they are, what they look like, that's a fluid conversation at the moment. Um, so, and, and, you know, that sort of changes with the different curveballs of what the pandemic is. Yeah, we won't give you um, Peter Vlandi's status just yet, but if you do manage to pull this off, I think you and him will be pretty much running for Prime Minister after that. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Peter Vlandi's was the, oh, he was like the stand-in chairman of the NRL and just went, bugger this, we're, we're running, which is the Australian football code over here. And they were sort of the first major sport. And I think um, Starkey's pulled a leaf right out of his playbook. And here we are staring down the barrel of what will be an exciting Australian leg. But back to the chartering. Do you know if everyone's getting on that plane, Starkey? Anyone had any sort of, from the service perspective, is everyone good to go? Absolutely, yeah. They're all, the surfers are excited. I mean, they're they're like, hey, let's get these events back on. We want to compete, and um, you know, it's their job. It's for many of them, it's their it's their job, and they love competing, and they want to. They had last year off, and so they're extremely eager to to get back surfing, and that means uh, they got to get on the plane. Um, and yeah, that leaves the US March six arrives here March eight. Um, they all charter over. They go into a fourteen day quarantine, um, which is a full lockdown quarantine. Um, and then they come out of that and then they can they can go and compete in the event. So, um, yeah, but look, the surfers are great. They understand, they're appreciative, they they know what they're in for and, um, yeah, we're, we're just excited to get it back on for them. We want to watch them. Um, I'm as much as a, um, you know, a surfing administrator, so to speak, as a, as a recreational surfer as I am a fan. I love watching it myself, so it'd be good to see it all back on again. Well, we actually heard that there was maybe a bit of, dissent from a few of the surfers but that you guys kind of massaged that by setting up a sweeter sort of quarantine situation where from what we've heard you guys are going to get the surfers in a hotel that's on the beach and they're going to be able to do daily go outs to go surf true or false that's absolutely not true there's no no way there is no (laughs) way the athletes are leaving the hotel room i mean look the only way to get the athletes into australia um, is through a proper 14-day quarantine, you know, in hotel rooms. We can provide them training equipment and, you know, bikes. And, look, all the Aussies have already done this. All the Australians that came back from Hawaii, they've already been through this 14-day lockdown quarantine and, you know, it's a rite of passage into this country. Um, the And that's why the country's 
so safe at the moment is because of this 14-day quarantine that's been put in place. Yeah, for sure. Good to know. Good to know. What about you, Mikey? Stark is a, a, a busy man. How did we want to? Uh, how do we want to send him off into the into the next couple of months, with our, with our full support, of course. Yeah. Well, no. I just. I yeah. I guess it's just uh, ultimately a thank you. Like you know, there people are always going to be critics, and you're always going to have you know like a Lennox situation when you're trying to make quick decisions like this. But ultimately, anybody that's a fan of professional surfing has to see this as a positive, even if you know, we're sacrificing a bit of wave quality, you could say, in some of the Australian venues. It's like, what are you going to do? You got to have a tour this year. We didn't last year. So I think all up, it's a, yeah, it's a thank you for your services. And um, <laughs> we're going to be critically optimistic of everything moving forward. <laughs> Good to hear. Now, look, it's been, I think I, I ran into Stace on the beach um, yesterday. And I, I think I, I said to you, it's just like, this is by far the hardest thing I've ever had to do um, in my career to date. Also, the waves, you know, you said, um, Mikey, that we might be sort of giving a bit on the quality. Yeah, look, bells is bells and snapper is snapper. But, you know, we on, on a good day, Merriweather, you saw it last year at Surfest, like it can really turn on. Um, and, you know, on a big day in the right swell conditions, Dixon Park can be incredible. And... Um, Narrabeen can be phenomenal on, on a good day. And we're in the right time of year. Um, Margaret River, we, it's a no-no. We know what that does. And Rottnest, um, you know, Strickland Bay can be a really good wave. So I don't think that, yeah, we don't have bells and snapper, but I reckon the four we've got, I reckon, you know, we've got windows. They're in a perfect time of year. I think we're going to get some really good quality waves, which will be a great way to to get this Aussie tour done with some spectacular conditions. And we definitely deserve it. <laughs> I don't think we need spectacular conditions, mate. People are still talking about Shane Herring beating Kelly Slater in, I think it was the 1991 Coke Classic. So conditions don't matter. It's all about the quality of competition, which we know the guys and girls have had 18 months to train up and get super gnarly. We're going to be fine. A couple of we'll city be beaches. Yeah. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's going to be good. Last question. How long before you paddle back out at Lennox? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't really surf there that much. I've got I'm pretty spoiled for choice around here, um, you know. But oh, look, I'll I'll head down that way sooner or later, and um, yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll have a surf on it. It's actually a you know on the right conditions, it can be a really good big wave spot on the outside, sort of um, right outside the point there. So, but look, oh, I'm sure the I'm sure the locals will have a bit to say, but you know, just cruise past them on your brewer, they won't be able to catch you. <laughs> I would never jump off those rocks with a brew under my hand for fear of damaging it. So as we talked about with uh, Mr. Stark, this is going to be, the, the Aussie leg is really going to determine who those top five surfers are that are going to make it to the last event of the year. And, um, yeah, do you want to do some, some predictions? Do you want to throw some top fives out for, like, who's going to be in that at the end of the Aussie leg? Um, John John. He's not going to, you know, he'll need the stars to align through those first two. We know how good he is at Margs, so that'll get him in there. Um, Yago. Wow, that's a big call. He's good in the pool too. If they run the pool, he'll he'll qualify. He'll, that would he'll get be fifth or better. crazy. He'll get fifth or better at the pool. He's he's you know, 
He's one of the few goofy footers that can really like annihilate that left in the pool. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but there's a definitely a point also gap there on that left between just like goofies who just surf it and then the goofies who actually can you know, really, really get a, you know, a high eight, low nine. All right, so you got John and Yago, which I was just going to say, like, it's crazy how much changing venues changes the odds or the relative value of a certain surfer on tour. Like, you would have never put Yago on, on that list in the beginning of the year, or pre-COVID, no, I suppose. Yeah. No. Um, gee, man, that's really, really tough. I mean, Kolohe is probably going to be really strong through the, that start. Obviously, Philippe. Um, I'm running out of numbers here. I'm going to have to clip someone. Gabriel's a competitive beast, and he'll just find a way to get in there. Oh, I can pick six. I don't have to pick five. Is it six? six? Okay. Yeah, it is six. All right, you yeah. got, so you got three um, right now. You got John, Yago, and Gabe. Kolohe, Philippe, Italo. Wow, that's a very like niche group, I would say. I didn't even pick one. I didn't even pick one Australian. But that's just kind of what I'm feeling off the top of my head without really thinking about it. Because you can't only think about the events that are new, but the events that they've lost also. And like you take Bells away from Jordy, that hurts a lot and julian away from the goldie julian's not that good at the goldie he's won it and he's good out there for sure he's good out there i think the stats would show us that he's not that good out there i just remember him being like 12 years old wearing that necklace with blonde hair and beating kelly slater and that just is ingrained in my mind forever so he's the best surfer out there Yeah. Okay. So that's your six. What about your What about your predictions? I mean, uh, who Who do you think out of the uh, the ladies is going to be a dark horse now that the uh, you know the events have sort of been shuffled? Hmm. I'll I'll give I'll throw you a bone here and I'll say Malia is a really good like tight technical surfer. She's won the U.S. Open, and if you can win there, you can win in Newcastle. Um, and she's won in Newcastle, and she's won at Manly. There you go. Okay, so Malia, straight to world number one. <laughs> Love it. Um, Caroline is from Florida. She'll have no problem. Carissa, definitely. Steph is the one I'd be like a little bit worried about, to be honest. Her surfing is just so like polished, and she's losing her two best events as well, which would be Snapper and Bells. She doesn't look as great at Margaret's because she just doesn't quite have like the same like weight like her legs just aren't as thick as some of the other girls to kind of push through that wind and that power in the wave so i think she could struggle because she's definitely not great i would say in little crappy beach breaks but you still think she's finishing seven in the world is that what you're saying well okay here let me, let me put people in who i think will be in i think sally fitz will be in so that's sally that's caroline that's carissa and malia um you know who else surfed really well in honolua and who just looks really solid to me is joanne de fay um she she's one that can handle margaret's really well like she's just a really solid surfer and she also grew up in france and i think that she's probably really good at beach breaks and stuff as well so i would put joanne in there and then Oh, but then there's like, then there's Courtney. Like, Courtney grew up surfing Huntington Beach. Granted, she likes Bells as well, but she can handle Margaret's. And I guess Rado's kind of a, a wild card because I, I still haven't really seen the wave break or seen people surf it. But I'm going to throw in some wild cards into that little little mix. I won't rattle off the top six because it's going to be pretty similar to yours. But 
Nikki Van Dyke's got a really good backside. Like, she grew up on Phillip Islands, heaps of good lefts there. So, like, I think she's, you know, she's really been strong at events in the past going left. So, that could play into her favour. And then, look, Keely Andrew, she's not great when the waves get really consequential, but in the smaller stuff, she's super technical and has done well when the waves are small. And so we'll just see how, how that all plays out. But yeah, because I, I just think that like Strickos, we know nothing about really. You can look at a few pictures online, but like you've kind of just got to put all your weight into those first two of the Australian leg. I don't know how, I can't remember the, the exact result from Honolulu Bay, but you'd have to think they're going to obviously play a huge part in how it all, how it all ends up. Like, I don't remember the minor placings. I think Nikki might have lost in round three, so that's going to hurt. But, yeah, crew like Malia and stuff, she got a fifth, so she's off to, like, you know, they're going to take six people. Getting a fifth is a good start. So that's it for this ebb. Wanted to keep it short and sweet. Um, we're sure that plenty of stuff is going to happen between now and the first event in Newcastle. Um, we might even have a little bit of a mole planted on the WSL plane, so don't tell them, but we could come back with some pretty interesting insights from that whole thing and the 14-day quarantine, which apparently, unfortunately, the surfers are not going to be able to surf during that time. We thought they were, but anyway, the WSL is going to be resuming relatively soon, so stay tuned, and Stace and I will be here to bring you the latest. That's it for the Stabcusp. See you next time.